Hello, you mindful mamas, and welcome back to the Enlightened Hood podcast, where I share real motherhood stories and empower the soul of the mother through mindfulness and spirituality. I'm your host, Lena Lemos, and I'm not sure if you listened to Monday's episode, but I've been really open with everyone about my postpartum health struggles, and I kind of gave everyone a little story. And when I recorded that intro, I thought that that was my rock bottom and recording the intro was going to be really cathartic and it was not. A lot has happened since then and just blatantly put, I have MRSA. And I don't think I would have been able to record this intro for this podcast before right now because I have been really defeated, really, really defeated. And I thought the lesson, like I said on Monday and all of this for me to learn was that healing is not linear. And of course that is a lesson in all of this because we want everything to happen now. And it's so hard, especially when you're healing or experiencing a setback or feeling defeated to not have the motivation to want to continue to see it all the way through and show up to every step to get back to the end game, right? But for me personally, I think the real lesson that I need to learn is one that we share on this podcast often, and that's giving yourself grace and the time you need to heal. The oxygen mask theory, right? That you need to help yourself first before you can help others. And Not that I haven't been practicing self-care, but if I'm being really honest, I think this community, this podcast, connecting with all these amazing women, sharing their stories has energized me so much and kind of been this energy pulling me forward from my soul. But my body's kind of been like, hey, wait for me. I'm still back here. And I don't know if I've necessarily given it the attention that needs or the rest that it needs. And it's so hard, right? As new moms, like you feel so stuck in your house because it takes so much time to feed your kids. And I feel like I've spent so much time on the couch to the point where I feel stir crazy. And I have all this energy just exploding in my body that doesn't have anywhere to be exerted. And I did before I got this MRSA diagnosis, I was working out and I was starting to feel so good. And I was eating amazing foods to help fuel my body. And it's just so hard to be like, okay, I need to slow down, but how? Because it just seems so impossible. But but what's the alternative, right? The alternative is right now I'm on watch to be admitted to the hospital because if this MRSA isn't cured by what they pumped into my body last night, if it continues to spread, if I have any ancillary symptoms like fever, it continues to spread, go up my arm, chills, body aches, I have to go to the hospital and I will be admitted. And that's not an option for me. So yeah, I'm going to slow down. And the other thing that makes it really hard for me is this karmic baggage that I have of loss of tribe. So I've been working with the amazing Layla Laura, who she was on an episode of this podcast, and she's been helping me clear a lot of this stuff to help me grow. And one of the things I learned is that one of the things I've been carrying with me is loss of tribe. 
So I have this terrible anxiety that if I don't show up every day and put in the energy for enlightenment, that it's all going to go away. And how silly is that? I mean, yesterday was the first time that I didn't show up on Instagram and post anything for enlightenment since when I decided that I was going to create an Instagram account. And that just felt so strange to me. But how silly is that? There's so much more energy and connectedness that goes beyond an Instagram post. And I think this community is testament to that of how interconnected we all are. But I think I need to give myself the grace to understand that me as a person, I need to take a step back to root and to grow. So why wouldn't it be the same for enlightenment? I'm still pouring my heart into it in the passion, but everything needs its downtime. Everything needs its rest. And me especially. So I did something I never did this week and I rescheduled all my podcast interviews, which I have been hustling, hustling so hard. I In the last 12 weeks, I've recorded almost 50 podcast interviews, which is insane as a new mother. So I really need to give myself the grace that, yeah, I've been working my ass off, but I also need that time to show up and just give my body the attention and the healing time that it needs. And the funny thing is that this podcast interview with Caitlin is actually coming at the perfect time because when I was listening to it earlier, I was like, wow, this is almost everything I need to hear today because Caitlin and I talk about what it's like to handle the mother load of motherhood and how we tend to fall into this pit where we forget to take care of ourselves. And then it's this ripple effect that affects our kids and our family. So really, it's so funny and ironic that it's the thing we talk about the most in this community and it's the lesson I need the most. So on today's podcast, you're meeting Caitlin Sule and she's a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in using cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness to help both kids and adults who are struggling with anxiety disorders, OCD, depression, and those who are just wanting to break free from unhealthy thought or behavioral patterns so they can live a life more in line with their values. And Caitlin also gives really good advice about what to do if your partner doesn't really accept or understand the whole mindfulness thing. And I think that's a really important lesson that we can all learn, especially because many of us still have those people, even if they're not our partners in our lives, who don't really get the whole mindfulness thing. And it's an important lesson to learn of how we can relate to one another. So here's Caitlin. I'd love to hear more about how your journey brought you to Mother More because now you're sharing all these wonderful motherhood tips. So where in your motherhood journey did you realize that you needed to start sharing your voice? Sure. I love that. Um, I actually just sat down this morning and kind of thought about that because, you know, things happen so fast that sometimes we kind of forget to take stock of like, how did I get here? You know, Um, Mm -hmm. and for me, really, I had just had my third baby. 
um, I think it was around last September. So Jack was eight or nine months old. And I was just, I had my, my three kids pretty, really close together. My first two girls were 15, are 15 months apart. So like the first few years of motherhood was just like a total blur, I would say for the most part. Mm -hmm. And then after Jack, I waited, um, two years to have him in between my second and my third. I felt like he was eight or nine months old. And I was just kind of like coming out of this, like a fog, if you will, not that I was depressed, but I was just, yeah. And kind of like the, the heaviness of motherhood. And I uh-huh. sort of just felt like invigorated to do more and to kind of like find that balance of, um, mom and who I am as a person besides just a mom. Um, uh-huh. backing up a little bit, I was still practicing as a therapist, um, in between like maternity leaves and things like that. But I just felt like, the, all the energy I had went to being a mom and then seeing my clients and there wasn't much space for like any creative process. Um, Mm -hmm. and so anyways, Jack was eight or nine months old. My husband and I went away for the weekend for a wedding and we got this chance to sort of like reconnect and be without kids. And, um, I started thinking about what else I could do to I've always wanted to share like my thoughts on motherhood and some of the insights I've gained from being a therapist with a broader audience, like outside of the therapy room, you know, the more traditional room of, you know, Mm -hmm. therapy. And so I decided to start the Instagram page. And when I was in a little boutique in Calistoga, California, I saw the shirt that said mother and more. And I was like, that just is embodying exactly what I'm feeling right now. Um, and so I just started, I uh, sort of stole that term from that shirt and started my Instagram page where I just started sharing my experience of being a mom and a therapist and it just kind of reconnected with my love for, um, writing and the written word, which I had lost, um, touch with, you know, over the years of just the busyness of life. And so for me, mother and more is very much of this journey to getting back to, um, the thing that I've always loved, which is writing and storytelling. I love that. And I love that you almost got this little hint from the universe from a shirt. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And I have the yeah. shirt. <laughs> I you bought do? it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it. I, and yeah. And then oh, the other thing is, is from that Instagram page, I started, um, I, I got connected with like other like-minded women. And then I started seeing all these like professionals out there, um, like sharing their stuff and doing podcasts. And specifically I started listening to this podcast called trailer cast. If you haven't heard of it, you guys, Oh my God, it's so good. It's another, um, therapist in Southern California. And she was doing a lot of the same kind of work I was. And I actually ended up hiring her or kind of bringing her on hiring her. That's a wrong word. I, started doing therapy with her as she was my therapist slash coach. And she, um, helped me kind of like come into my own again. And so she was a big part of my journey. And then I was like, I want to do a podcast, but it took me a while. Like I'd say six to eight months to kind of get the courage I needed to actually like get over my stuff and my fears of doing it and press record. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So once you really started to step into your own and follow your calling of sharing your message, how did that change you internally and change you as a mother? In so many ways, I think like it did and it didn't because I think I've always been this person inside and I was just sort of like Mm -hmm. waiting for this like 
and I was waiting to give myself the go ahead in many ways to say like, just do it. Don't hold just because you're a mom, just because you're busy, all those things like nobody said life was going to be easy. Right. And so I needed to give myself permission to get out of my own way and just actually be the person I always was. But yeah, sure. In um, in doing that and, and uh, it changed, I think, um, the way that I look at motherhood, it changed the way that I like respected myself within motherhood so that I could start to show up actually for my husband and my kids much better because I was giving myself space to live more authentically, if that makes sense. Like I was fulfilling mm-hmm. myself and as well as just caring for these other human beings. So I've found, and I I hope they feel the same way, um, that while it's taken up more of my actual physical time, that when I'm with them, I'm much more present and much more, uh, I don't know, just kind of at ease. Is your mindfulness journey as you were taking more time for yourself, did you notice any difference in the way that your children perceived you? Yeah, totally. So it's really funny you ask that because um, they've been noticing my meditation recently because they get up early. I try and get up before them, but they always like trump me somehow and (laughs) end up getting up at the same time. So I just meditate anyways, and they come in and they have started to take interest and listen. And I've been doing some little guided kid meditations with them and they love it. And so not only have we been having fun with it together, I would venture to say they've noticed a more patient version of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they can express it at three, at four and five necessarily, but um, I think they've noticed that I'm more patient um, and that I am, like I said, more present and happy. Um, so we'll see, you know, what they say when they're in therapy in 10 years <laughs> from now. <laughs> Um, I think patience is the biggest thing that had that this mindfulness journey has allowed me. Yeah. Have you noticed a change in them with their guided kid meditations? Totally. So like, I don't, uh, I think the biggest thing is that I've noticed with my five-year-old is that she's, she tends to be, she's an amazing kid and she's really sensitive. So the idea of pausing and taking a deep breath has been really helpful for her. Um, and so she said something to me the other day, I was getting frustrated. She's like, it's okay, mom, just take a deep breath. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're getting it. Right. And then also we do some bedtime meditations to help her relax at night because she tends to be a a person with like a million thoughts in her head, like so many Mm -hmm. of us. So, um, that's been huge too. Perfect. And I just want, like, I think my goal with this is that they get to have this in their toolbox as they grow up and that they don't have to just kind of like, um, struggle with this idea of stuffing their feelings Mm -hmm. or not expressing them, that they have their own sort of toolbox of things they know to do with their feelings and thoughts and ways that they can bring calm into their own life. I didn't have that as a kid. It wasn't really talked about. Um, and so I hope that for them. Has your husband been supportive in this journey? You know, he has. He, um, my husband's kind of one of those, one of those people who I'm, you know, lucky and that's why I married him. So is that he, (laughs) he is always supporting me in whatever I do. He may not understand it. I want to be really honest about Mm. that. Meaning like therapy isn't his thing, like meditation, mindfulness, like 
that's not necessarily his thing, but he's always kind of just, you know, it's always like whatever makes you happy, whatever you need to do to be whole. He's a great dad. So I can count on him to kind of pick up the slack or, you know, just really be my partner when I'm off, you know, doing my podcast or working or like, there's never this sense of like, um, you know, oh, you're putting all this on me. Um, we're very much equal in our partner sh- partnership, whatever you want to call it, relationship. It hasn't always been that way. I think it was a process of kind of like growing into that. So yes, he's mm. supportive. He doesn't necessarily understand it. And and I think that's key is that you don't necessarily have to understand the other person's dream. You just have to support it and allow for time for it. Yeah. With your experience as a marriage therapist, what happens or what's your advice for when your partner doesn't support this mindfulness journey that and the effort that you put forth to being mindful? Yeah. So, you know, it kind of depends on how that looks. But here's what I kind of going back to what I said before is that in any relationship or partnership, I would say that um, in a healthy relationship, both of your goal really is for the uh, is is to show up as your best selves in that relationship so that you can have a strong relationship. So it doesn't necessarily matter if you don't understand that person's, your husband's dream or your partner's dream. It just matters that you are allowing for time and space for them to pursue that because you know that that's making them more whole and more fulfilled. And then, and, and you know, on the other hand, or I should say that at the same time, you get to show up for them and support whatever their thing is, even if you don't understand it. So I guess the bigger conversation is about respecting each other's like individual pursuit of happiness so that, Mm -hmm. and so that you can kind of come back together more whole, whole, more authentic and, and have an even better relationship. So I'd say less focus on the content, like, oh, they don't understand why I'm meditating in the morning, or they don't understand Mm -hmm. why I need an hour to, you know, move my body or go to the gym. It's like, okay, they may not understand that, but do they understand that you deserve to be happy, healthy, and whole? Mm -hmm. I think that's extremely valuable advice, especially because you said that your husband may not understand it, but he does give you that space. Yes. yes. I love that you said it's about the con. It's not about the content. It's that you're giving the other person space so they can show up to be their best self in their Absolutely, relationship. Yeah. It's the bigger picture um, is that and if we really kind of take away all these, we tend to get focused on the little details, right? Of things and mm-hmm. especially in relationships. Well, you did this and then I did that. And it's like, if we back up and we think about what we really want for each other, what we really want in a good, healthy relationship at the end of the day is for both partners to feel you know, happy, healthy, and whole. And so how can we, how can we get to that place? Yeah. So then let's talk more internally about ourselves as mothers. There's a whole, let's say mother load of stuff that comes with being a mother. How can we start to really handle that mental load of motherhood? Um, You know, that's such a good question. And I don't think I have the perfect answer. I know I don't. I I think each day is just like this journey of figuring it out. Um, And I would say there's a couple things that stand out to me as being really important. And the first one is grace. I would say Mm. extending grace to yourself because we're not used to that, right? We extend grace to everybody else and everything else. And then we tend to be as women 
women um, generally really hard on ourselves and have these really high expectations. Like I should be handling it all. I should be making time for working out or eating right or meditating and, you know, all these things. And so if we can pull back from the shoulds and just extend ourselves the grace and and allow for space to be right where we are, um, Mm -hmm. it takes away so much of that pressure. So the first thing I would say is grace. Just recognize that you're in a difficult season. You're caring for tiny human beings and that's really hard and that you're doing your best. So grace, number one, two, I would say, be real realistic about what you can fit into a day and structure your day so that you are making sure you're allowing some time for yourself, whether that's obviously self-care is really important. And then also to pursue your thing, your dream, your goal, whatever it is. So um, that takes some planning and some foresight. And the third thing would be kind of just what we just talked about is making sure that you're communicating to the people in your life, whether that's your partner or somebody who's going to help you with childcare so that they're on board with giving you that time and space you need. Um, The number one thing I see, I've seen with myself, totally honest. And I've seen with my other um, fellow moms or mom friends, the number one trap or pit we fall into is not giving ourselves the time and space we need to take care of ourselves. And then we suffer. And to be quite frank, our children probably suffer too. So I think just making sure that we're allowing ourselves the opportunity to, to, I don't know, take some space to just be more than just a caretaker. Cause that's really hard. Being a caretaker is really hard. <laughs> Mother and more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. that's <laughs> Yeah. Right. It fits. <laughs> it really does. In your work as, as a therapist, have you, has mindfulness become more as you've got on your mindfulness journey, mm-hmm. has it become more of a part of how you help others? Absolutely. So I would say it's kind of, um, interestingly reverse. So I've always used mindfulness in my uh, work as a therapist because I'm, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist and mindfulness is under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. So meaning I've used like mindfulness techniques or interventions to help um, people excuse me, learn to sort of diffuse from the intensity of their thoughts or to be less judgmental on their thoughts. I specialize in treating anxiety. So mindfulness is huge and allowing people to focus more on present than past or future. But, um, uh, in, in my, in my own life and my own work, I've infused more, um, mindfulness. I do a meditation practice each morning, a sh- very short meditation practice, um, and a gratitude journaling practice every morning. And it has been, I've, the benefits have just been crazy. And so I, um, I would say in my practice, I'm definitely encouraging people even more from a more authentic space now that I'm doing it in my own life to be like, yeah, try this out. It, I mean, hey, you be the judge. I'm not going to sit here and, um, you know, spout out research and why this works. I just want you to try mm-hmm. it and let me know what you think. And most everybody comes back and is like, when you give them the space to do it in their own way, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's not like, you must sit down for an hour and meditate in this way instead of telling them necessarily like how to do it or like the way that, that I do it, basically, basically kind of giving them the freedom to do it in a way that obviously giving them some, some guidance on around, like, here's what some options for you. I I'm really honest. I recommend a lot of apps for them, especially for beginners. Um, 
and allowing them to do it in a way that makes sense for their own life and their own time schedule, like is they're much more likely to do it. And almost all mm-hmm. of them kind of come back and go like, wow, like you're right. That, that was really mm-hmm. helpful. That felt really good. So, yeah. I think that's the hardest thing I have an issue with because I just feel so good with everything. I'm like, you have to do this, do this now. And then you really have to let people find it in their own time. Yes. I just had this conversation with my husband who I am like, you know, he's a firefighter. He's very much like of a, I don't know how else to describe it in a traditional way, like a man's man. And so like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, being married to a therapist is kind of funny, but he, (laughs) I try to get him to meditate and I'm like, just practice it with me. And he's like, no, that's your thing, babe. It's not mine. I'm like, all right. And like remembering that's okay. Like maybe someday he'll change his mind. Maybe not. Maybe he doesn't even need it. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, you get so excited and you want to share it with everybody. (laughs) I know. I was doing a grounding exercise earlier before this podcast where I just like to sit after I meditate and just put my feet in the grass, Yeah, especially how you're talking about earlier how I don't get that outdoor space in New Jersey. And funny thing is, is I married someone who hates putting his feet on the bare ground. Like he does not want to touch the grass. And and every time I'm like, why don't you just try it? It's good for you. And you know, he has to find it in his own time, but maybe he has his own version Uh, of that. And we'll find it eventually. And as a therapist, I think that's been the most, the thing that I've like seen in real time the most is that even like that what works for one person is going to work for another and that people whatever whatever tool they're using or thing they're doing or intervention they're trying it has to feel authentic to them and and it Mm -hmm. has to make sense to them otherwise it's just pointless yeah because then you're not yeah you're right when it's inauthentic it's not going to work it's not going to work I mean I'll be honest I've tried meditation different at different points in my life and I just couldn't um, connect with it and you Mm -hmm. know that was probably more representative of what was going on externally and internally for me at the time Mm -hmm. Um, and so this most recent time it feels like it's finally the right time and space for me yeah yeah I completely agree with that because I had a meditation practice before I got pregnant. And then when I got pregnant, I just couldn't focus. Every time I tried, I fell asleep. So I transitioned to just having some quiet time while I took a shower because I knew that was me time. I knew it was time where I was calm and relaxed. And then you're right. We have different periods where we go through that different things work for us. Yeah. And that's a beautiful sort of like um, expression of meeting yourself where you're at. Just like we say, mm-hmm. you meet others where they're at. You have to meet yourself where you're at too. Yeah. And it goes back to what you said about just giving yourself grace. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this whole motherhood thing and pregnancy yeah. and postpartum and all that stuff is that, um, you got to give yourself grace because this is the mm-hmm. hardest and most beautiful, but hardest job in the world. Yeah. And especially now with mindfulness really coming to the forefront, I feel like it's almost monetized in a way. Mm. And you were saying how you give your clients a lot of apps to use. And the funny thing is I was just looking for new apps Mm -hmm. for meditation. And two years ago, these same apps were free and all the access to meditations were free. And now I'm looking at them and it costs, what, $60 a year for access to all these meditations. I know. It's crazy. I know. And there's like, they give you one or two free ones, yeah. which is like a tease. And then you got to buy the package. I so I'm really, I mean, I'm really honest too with my clients. It's, it might be a good way to get started, but if not, like that we can 
creating, um, because guided meditations is usually where I start with people Mm -hmm. creating those is super easy. And I have a whole bunch of them that I use and there's a lot of them in books. Yeah. Guided meditations is, I think definitely the way to start because like you said, there's just a lot of misconception too, just around the idea of meditation. And it just seems like this big, scary thing. Yeah. When someone hears meditation, I remember when I started telling family members that I was meditating, they said, well, how can you just sit and not think about anything? (laughs) Like, well, that (laughs) hardly ever happens. Yeah. You're like, that is actually not it. But here's the thing is that's how it was portrayed or has been portrayed um, in in media for so long, right? Is like sitting in a quiet room, like legs crossed to mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. just complete silence. And it's not like, it's not like taking yeah. a vow of silence, right? Like that's not what meditation yeah. is. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually about acceptance of mm-hmm. thoughts and not judging the mm-hmm. fact that you are having thoughts because you're a human being right. who has thoughts. Yes. <laughs> Uh, when you're working with these clients and you're empowering them and they're coming back to you and saying, wow, that really worked. Is that helping Mm -hmm. you discover more assets of your mindfulness journey? Yeah, I think, um, I think like, so as far as working with clients and, and, um, using mindfulness, like I said, as, as part of our treatment, the way it usually fits is that it's not the whole treatment. It's just a piece of it. Um, and it's a big piece of it. It's helping them typically, um, what it's used for is helping them detach from their kind of tight grip they have around their thoughts or limiting beliefs and, um, allow for space to just kind of let those thoughts be there and not, um, not take them too seriously or not take them as Bible or truth, um, or absolute truth. And so, um, seeing that like work and be effective with them is really powerful. And then it has encouraged me in my own life to be like, you need to do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause as like, we're talking about motherhood and how, how hard it is sometimes. And I find myself just like getting kind of going down this spiral, for instance, I'll use the morning as a good example, more, trying to get the kids out of the house and someone drops their milk and they can't get their shoe on and the baby just pooped. And there's, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know how <laughs> it is. Right. And you're like, Oh, and you just, Oh my gosh. And you're going down this spiral of negativity. And uh, at least I do. And mindfulness has allowed me to stop myself in those tracks, take a breath and just kind of be like, okay, like those thoughts are there. You don't have to buy into Mm -hmm. them. You don't have to go down the rabbit hole. So yeah, it's been a really like kind of cohesive part of my life is like what I do in my work and then what I try and do in my home life. One of the best two Instagram posts I've seen recently said one said thoughts are not facts. Yes. And then so simple yet so true. Right. And then you are not your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we really get bought into that idea of like, um, because we thought it, it's true. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just not the case. I mean, we can think so many different things at any given moment that if we actually believed all of our thoughts, we'd be in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's been such a pleasure having you on this podcast. One of the ways I love to end this podcast, as you know, is just giving words of encouragement for any mama out there who really just needs that pick me up, words of encouragement, wise words from you. So what are your words to end on? Um, so what I'd want to say to moms, um, is that you're enough 
right now exactly how you are and who you are to give yourself some grace. You guys, this is the hardest job in the world. Um, but then to also allow for yourself to dream, allow for yourself to, um, go for the things that make you feel happy, healthy, and whole. Don't stay limited just because you feel like, um, now you're stuck, you're in this role and, and, um, there's no room for you anymore. Um, there is room for you. There's more room for you and that your kids need to see you, you know, being happy, healthy, and whole. Um, so don't think of it as, I'm taking time away from them or, you know, when I'm going for my dream, I'm somehow like limiting them. It's like, no, it's the opposite. You're showing them that there's so much more to life and you're really modeling for them um, what it looks like to pursue happiness and healthiness. Thank you for listening to Enlightened Hood a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and sees the beauty in every woman's why. If you would like to be part of our community, find us on Instagram at Enlightenedhood and subscribe to this podcast where we put out new episodes every Monday and Wednesday.